Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of How with Halter, where the how stands for helping others win. Each episode, we talk about wealth building, real estate, and everything in between. I am your host, Dennis Earls, and my partner in crime, Anthony Tabor, and we have a phenomenal episode, part two, with executive on the go, Brandon and Angel K, a phenomenal team, husband and wife, just an, just an inspiration for everyone at Halter and everyone across the globe. Welcome back. What's going on, Wealth Builders? It's Michael, Dennis, and Anthony from the Halter Group here. We wanna make a huge shout out to our Halter community, and we just have one question for you. Are you ready to take your wealth game to the next level? We're providing impactful conversations, expert interviews, celebrities, athletes, financial advisors, CPAs, all collectively to help you win. So please subscribe, hit that like button, leave a comment, and help us help you win. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Press the link below. Wherever you enjoy your podcast, we're there. Helping others win with How Tear. Let's win together. Thanks. Welcome, welcome. It's good to be back. Thank you. How do you feel? I feel good. I feel good. Like you're literally the second episode. Like we've never had a guest come back and do part two because (laughs) your first one was fire. Oh, we are honored. We're so honored. It was easy because you guys had so much energy and it was just easy to have the conversation. Really? Really? Well, you know your husband had the bar, right? (laughs) The bar literally, I think, is is played on Instagram all the time. Like, it's the gateway drug. LLC is the gateway drug. (laughs) (laughs) We need something today that can beat that one. No pressure, Brandon. No pressure. (laughs) All right, we got it. Okay. All right. So in the first episode, we spoke about corporations, LLC. Yeah. the differences between the two. Yes. Today, we're going to talk about nonprofits. Yes. yes. All right? Okay, so for those across the globe who have no clue what nonprofits are, break it down for us. All right, so nonprofit, I'll, I'll tell you what it's not. You know, nonprofit doesn't mean no money. I think nonprofits a lot of <laughs> times get a bad, they get a bad rep where a lot of people think, well, nonprofits don't really have too much money. Some of the wealthiest entities are nonprofit organizations. They raise money. They just reinvest it into their purpose, mm. right? So the purpose of the nonprofit, um, there's different types, public benefit, private foundations, you know, so there's just an array of them. But the reality is that they exist to fulfill the mission that they set out to accomplish. And so all the money that's raised, everything that's brought in is to pay for that. So there's no one gaining money from a personal nature. There's a lot of misconceptions. Nonprofits are formally uh, corporate entities. They might be uh, unincorporated, but they're organized for a purpose to fulfill a mission. And that really is what a a, a nonprofit is. I, I think a lot of times people, I will say this, when they start nonprofits, they start it and they feel very connected as the founder, but it's important for people to know that in the true fashion of a nonprofit, no one owns it. Hmm. Well, is there is there a difference between a foundation and a nonprofit or are they one of the same? So they're all in the realm of what would be considered a nonprofit. They just have different codes and they have different um, allowances. And so when something is a foundation or you have what's called foundation status, it's a little tricky because foundation is a word that can be used. So you can have an organization and call it XYZ foundation without a problem. It doesn't mean that you have foundation status. So foundation status 
Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Target Foundation, In-N-Out Foundation. When you have foundation status, what that means is that a majority of the proceeds for the organization, they come from a sole source or they come from limited sources. So if, let's say your organization is funding a cause, Target's proceeds are paid into Target Foundation to distribute funds for a specific thing. Okay. That is the allocation of a foundation. When you have mm. a limited source that's funding everything that you're distributing, then you can get true foundation status. Got it. Yeah, Got but it. general nonprofits, what most of us are used to, are things that are supported by the general public. Okay. There are things that are, you raise money through foundations and you have grants and you have the public and you have an event and you say, we're raising money and people are coming together all to pour into a cause. And that's what we're used to seeing. So in our community, obviously, a corporation and an LLC is foreign. A nonprofit is completely foreign. <laughs> so is it difficult to set up a nonprofit? Like, what are the steps? What do you have to do to set up a nonprofit? I'll, I'll give that to Brandon. He does a lot of uh, the structuring portion. Mr. Compliance. <laughs> <laughs> well, setting up a nonprofit is very similar to setting up a corporation or an LLC. Same, same mechanics, same function. You have to come up with a business name. Uh, whatever the name of the nonprofit is, whatever state, uh, whatever their laws is, what it can be called, what cannot be inside the name, coming up with a business address, uh, everything, like I said, just like for a for-profit, it's still a business. It is a business. A lot of people think nonprofit doesn't equate to a business. It is a business and it makes lots of money. I always refer to clients, what is your cookie? You know, what is your cookie? And what I mean by, what I mean by that, I'm actually referring to like, Girl Scout cookies, mm -hmm. you know, Girl Scout cookies, that's their cookie. That's their moneymaker. Mm -hmm. So um, I never want to take away from nonprofit not being a business. But how to set it up is very simple. You come up with a business name, business address, file articles of incorporation. It is a corporation. It's just a setting up articles for a nonprofit corporation. And then you just figure out what status you want to be, what um, IRS status. And for the most case, people want to become a 501c3. There's different 501 different endings 501 give me some c4 more. c4s yeah. there's a lot there's so, quite a few yeah i mean hospitals schools universities um fraternities sororities lodges i mean there's just so many variances as far as like civil organizations public entities even hoas are nonprofits, but the reason why is because a per an individual person doesn't benefit from the profit or gain of the entity right? So it exists for a mission or for the mutual benefit, right? So of the people that are <clears throat> members or that are involved. And so there's different types. But for the, the sake of this conversation, I think, you know, just honing in in the public benefit is beneficial because I think it's the most misunderstood. And that's the C3 yes. that we typically go for, right? Yes. What are, what are the, you, you mentioned profitability and so forth. What are the rules or what is the amount that people can take. I always hear, oh, well, you can take 50% and spread it out. You can take 40% and spread it out as far as the income. Can yeah. you guys kind of dozen on that question? So, so the reality is you shouldn't take, you can't take any income. You can't benefit from the profit. But what you can do is you can have a job. Right? In, so the you, in the nonprofit, mm -hmm. you can be the executive director, you can be the administrator, you can have a contract, you can be supplying the, uh, you know, the widgets that they're selling, you can function and have a relationship with a nonprofit, but you can't draw a benefit from the profits. And so what happens is when you look at a nonprofit, even you have to realize everything about it is public. 
when you apply for the exemption, because the other portion of forming it that makes it different than a traditional entity is it has to go through an exemption process. It wants to be tax exempt because that's the whole point sure. of getting the benefit for it. So now that you're tax exempt, what you're saying is everything I do in exchange for this exemption is in public record. Everything I do is now transparent. Everything I do is now available online for everyone to see in exchange for me being able to give you a contribution letter to write it off, in exchange for me being um, able to qualify to get this grant money. So in terms of your question, the percentage, you know, I tell clients all the time, I said, let's try to think about it like this. When you're giving to, let's say, something that is feeding the children and they can tell you, look, for every dollar you spend, X amount is actually going to feed the children. Mm -hmm. What then makes you feel comfortable with that number? You don't want to hear that for every dollar you give, only 10 cents is going to actually feed the child. Absolutely. So then you need to think about if, if when you look at that for yourself, how much do you want to say publicly is actually going to the work of the mission, work of the programming, working in the community, and that's what you want to be able to say. And how does the DMB number done in Bradstreet, is that the press mm -hmm. call, correct? Mm -hmm. How does that apply or work within the 501c3? Again, like, like Brandon said, it's still business. So there's still business credit, there's still relationships, there's still vendors, there's still interactions. And so all those things that are public that are uh, in play when it comes to navigating the entity and uh, its relationship with other companies and other vendors is still a part of the equation. You still need to have those numbers, those things in place. You still need to make sense on paper. And what is the UEI number? <laughs> so with the UEI number, um, what happened was the government, basically in times past, when you look at the DNB, the U.S. government had a relationship, a contract with them where they were using them to verify public information. Mm -hmm. And so people were getting DNB numbers for free if they were getting parts of a government contract because the government was using them. It's all trading, it's all information, it's all, all about together. it's all about transparency. Mm -hmm. So the UEI number is basically the US government's new relationship for transparency and tracking. And that's when you go to like sam.gov. Exactly, because you're going to do bids, you're going to have contracts and the government needs a um, a space where they can uh, verify the information is being accurate and correct based on public record. And so they're sourcing it in that space. They use these elements, they use these relationships to verify that information. My understanding is that you also need these numbers to apply for grants and so forth. Is that accurate? Um, or? Not always. I mean, certain grants do have that requirement, but, you know, grants are issued by, um, they are issued by, uh, you know, cities and counties, but they're also issued by private foundations um, other organizations and even um, just uh, even private companies. And so everyone has their own kind of list of requirements. And so for some of them, yes, that would be on it. But for some of them, it's not. It just depends. So we're now in 2024. Mm -hmm. All right. We have over 100 plus investors within Halter. And many of them are calling all the time saying we need a trust. We needed this. We needed that. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest for the Halter investors now that we're in January of 2024? I would suggest taking a, a look at your diversification, taking a look at your, your asset base, your functionality, your goals, your philanthropy, 
all the pieces that make you you, right? So if you're an investor in Halter, the reality is that you're obviously grounded and you have a mindset of what it means to grow, create income, be involved, contribute, right? Have multiple income streams. You're in the mindset of what it means to be progressive. Maybe you're a serial entrepreneur. Maybe you're, right? Maybe you're a high paid um, individual as far as your, um, your, your traditional job or your core income. Whatever it is, you want to sit down and take a look at all of these areas and begin to consider how am I diversifying? What do I look like on paper? Where am I vulnerable? Just begin to ask these questions in with the professionals that are on your team and around your life. Figure out, do you have all the pieces in place? All of us have a cause that we connect to in terms of philanthropy. Should you consider starting a nonprofit? Are you giving it away to someone else when in reality you could be creating a job for your children? You could be hiring your niece as an ED. You could be investing or doing something else with what your purpose to do. Kind of figuring out these components. When you think about a trust, is your estate in order? Like having these real hard conversations that say, if I'm going to level up, I need to make sense on paper. So should an investor invest as a nonprofit? Unless the only way that they would do that is if they were seeking to create income for the nonprofit. So like Brandon gave the example of the Girl Scout cookie. Mm -hmm. Like the reality is nonprofits do invest. They do own real estate. Mm -hmm. They do develop projects. They do have widgets. They do have products. They do have, um, you know, things that people can be a part of and make money. And sometimes that investment can actually become the investment tool that funds the mission of the nonprofit, so that they're not reliant on public benefit, on public donors. As long as those profits are just used to absolutely push the so, mission. So, so, so nonprofits can make what's called UBI, unrelated business income. And they do it because they want to be able to, uh, we actually have one of our clients right now, they have a pretty large uh, real estate portfolio and a major portion of their purpose is around uh, like low income housing and placement. But their other work in terms of youth, uh, what's happened over the years is that real estate portfolio funds a major part of the work that they do with youth in the community. But it's because it exists, it's because it's connected. It's because they, they have the opportunity to generate the income that way. Mm. So kind of getting outside the box and thinking, you know what, this money that could be activated and generated could be for a purpose that's bigger than just me. So then you're saying there's an, there's an angle to where Halter or any investor can take their cash flow, a percentage of their cash flow dollars to the nonprofit. Absolutely. And then now the nonprofit is funded by a for-profit. Absolutely. That leads me into another question. Um, while we were setting up our nonprofit and getting information as far as the development piece that we're looking to do with the HBCUs, et cetera, we were told that nonprofit can essentially be used as a pass-through of some sort and the money can go to the nonprofit. The nonprofit can then fund the development. It's very possible. When you start to get creatively in bringing nonprofits into the space, you can get things like, you know, uh, when you get HUD certified, when you start to, you know, engage with agencies or governments that solely want to give for the development of a nonprofit. Because remember, no one owns it. 
And so it has the ability in its existence to transcend time beyond an individual person. And so now its purpose, its growth, its development, it feels like it's more secured in that mission because now it's going to exist to fulfill that purpose. And so some people are more confident in that as they're delegating towards um, and allocating into these types of structures. So there's huge possibility and creativity that's open to what you can do. Wow. Wow. And I just wanted to give clarity when she said no one owns it. It doesn't have stock. Even though it's a corporation, it doesn't have stock. Mm -hmm. So it's still governed by the board of directors. It has bylaws. It has minutes. It has the functionality of a corporation, but it just doesn't have stock. So that's where the ownership would come in for a for-profit corporation where someone would be like, oh, I own 50% of stock. Or even an LLC, I own 50% membership interest, where the nonprofit doesn't have that at all. And how does the board of directors fit within a nonprofit? So... Is it power? Are they, is that a powerful seat, as in they're the decision makers, or is the executive director, the ED, more of the decision maker? Those are great questions. I'm, I'm <laughs> scared of that laugh. So is ED essentially just a figurehead? And the board controls that person? Well, the board governs the nonprofit. They are at the top. They govern. They are the fiduciaries. They are responsible. They're the ones that control the nonprofit as a, as a complete unit. And they're the ones that are responsible for it. The ED is hired. Mm, the board so, has power. Yeah, so the board. I, I, like, I like how you said that. She <laughs> dropped it like. They're hired. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which simply means that they can That's all you know. <laughs> <laughs> and they are, but the but the board is appointed, right? Mm-hmm. They're appointed, they have a tenure, they're they're up uh you know, they're this unit. Now, of course, as a unit, uh the thing that you want to be careful of, and I will say this in terms of um of even founders, because a lot of times when you are the founder of a nonprofit, Speak on that. Um, you feel <laughs> like you are the owner. Your I owner. created this. This is my baby. This is my project. Mm-hmm. This is my, my mission. My idea. <laughs> and I mean, I I've see we see founders all the time that are trying to figure out how to leave a nonprofit to their children. And their children haven't been working in the nonprofit. They don't have respect from the organization. Mm-hmm. They're not even on the board. Mm-hmm. And so how do you, in your mind, maintain control? So I want to tell this story. So 20 years ago, we had a client come in and was in complete tears, completely overwhelmed because they were faced with this horrible, horrible divorce. And it was more so about the fact that they had started this nonprofit organization that in the years past, what had happened was they had founded it, they had grew it, they had an amazing building centrally located, they had vehicles. I mean, it was a thriving organization. And they were in tears because over the course of this recent marriage, they had placed uh, this, this woman, she had placed her husband on the board. And when she placed them on the board, over the course of 10 years, the dynamic of the board started to change. Mm. They were no longer loyal to her and the original purpose. They were loyal to him. Mm. So now a majority of the board members were people that he placed in the organization and had appointed. She thought they were going to be together forever and it was going to be a beautiful story. But here she is at the verge of this Uh, on the verge of this divorce and lo and behold she goes into a board meeting only to find out that she was voted off of the board Mm. and fired from the organization 
So that she built, that she built with her she, previous and created, that she built and with her created, previous, yeah, from with her previous husband, millions of dollars. And so she was absolutely devastated, you know, very emotional about the money, but very, very down in despair about the work in this organization. I know the feeling. And and so here we were, and she was trying to figure out what could she do, and it was really after the fact was too late to do anything. But what you want to consider is when you're dealing with property. So, for example, if that property was something that she had bought with her prior husband and instead of giving it to the organization, what if it would have been in her family trust mm -hmm. and they would have rented it to the organization? Mm -hmm. Then when he then when he would have voted her off, then she would have said, fine, here's your here's your notice to um, uh, leave Vacate. the property. Absolutely. Absolutely. While we're talking wow. about boards and so forth. Um, paperwork. Yeah, paperwork. <laughs> Right? Paperwork, paper trail. Get your paperwork together, please. 100%. That's, that's a bar. Dot the I's and cross the T's. As we're talking about boards, though, um, obviously many of our viewers are possibly thinking about getting into nonprofit. They're smaller. They're not the millions of dollars. They're not the 500-pound gorilla in the room. How do you appoint a board? What, who do you pick? What's mm -hmm. the process? Great yeah, questions again. Great question. I think, you know, and one of the main things that you want to do is you want to avoid what's called a dummy board. And and it's it's a real term because the idea is that you put together a board that's just all going to say yes to you. Or a yes woman or a yes man board. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And so correct. it's a, it's an old term. And so, but ideally what you want to do on your board is you want to have a, you want to have a diversified board that, that actually speaks to the mission you want to have a board that actually can help benefit you. So you want on the board, you want somebody who able who has reach, somebody who's able to maybe uh, leverage donors. You want somebody who's in the community. You want someone who um, has um, influence. And maybe also one of the um, one of the things that we see a lot of is even having a board member that ref that reflects the demographic that you're serving. You want to you want to serve the homeless. Have somebody who came from homelessness mm, on your board. That's right. You know you want to be able to Correct. serve a community and know that there's a voice in the space that matters and that can speak into how that occurs. What are the solution? What does it feel like? You want to be able to have that there. So begin to think about that dynamic. Get a board for the things that you need. So a lot of times we'll see boards put together with somebody who's in finance, somebody who's in legal, somebody who has, right, in these areas that come up that you want to be able to say, you know what, we've got someone on our board who can do that, right. that can help us. And so begin to think about the areas that you'll need help in and create a dynamic board with those people. Now, you were very clear. The ED is hired. Yes. Is the board hired and fired? No. Or are appointed. they... Appointed. They're appointed. Are they volunteer? Are they... Uh, are they compensated? <laughs> I know where you're going. He's like, get, 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 get down to that. So with so with the board, um, you really want to remember. I said everything's on public record. So if there's any compensation, well, I don't want to. I don't want to disrupt you. No, answer carefully because we're talking to you about being on the board. <laughs> <laughs> we got. We're gonna fire Pookie. We're kind of negotiating negotiate right now on this podcast right now. So wait a second. Uh, slash, slash your answer. <laughs> it is being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> it's recorded. Wait a 
Adidas. <laughs> so, um, so in terms of compensation, uh, one of the things that you want to consider is what what occurs in public record. And so you'll see a lot of people, you know, very uh, proudly show that the board doesn't get anything, right? We see a lot of boards that are able to get stipends because there are board meetings, there is travel, there are things that occur in that regards. But typically when somebody's on the board, you'll even see what's considered a give-get contract, which is something that we um, advocate a lot for, especially for small boards, because you want to be able to show that the board members believe in the work. And so sometimes even up front, you'll say, you know what, in a small board, maybe look, if there's if there's five of us, if we give get $1,000, $2,000, $5,000, then we at least can create a base in our budget. And we know that as a board, we are the first ones to give and commit. And when we say give get, it doesn't mean that they necessarily write the check, but maybe they go and get the check. Got and it. so being able to showcase a board that believes in the work. And so that's really more the case for boards. Again, nonprofit boards, we more so see stipends and we see expenses around board meetings. And I'm not saying, you know, don't do the board meeting in Hawaii, mm -hmm. but I am saying that you want to make sure that it just it's in Cabo. makes... Yeah. <laughs> <Thank> you. Africa. <laughs> <laughs> that it just makes sense for the nature of the work that you're doing, right? Are we able to trade? So can we trade services? So, for example, can we trade ownership in one of our assets mm -hmm. to a board member? So can we give one share or two shares of a halter apartment building? Yeah, as compensation. As compensation. You know, what you don't want to show is you don't want to show that there is somebody that's being bought mm -hmm. on a board or that you are uh, influencing a vote on the board. You wanna leave everyone on the board as neutral as possible to make the best decision independently for the sake of the organization. Sure. And that's what you wanna be able to show. Are founders board members or is there a delineation between the two? There's a delineation. I mean, you can be a founder. Usually the founder is a founding board member, mm. but it doesn't mean that they're on the board forever. Right. Okay. And so you want to be very uh, conscious of your bylaws. You want to be very conscious of what the tenure is that you write in the bylaws. As far as the board, do you have a rotating uh, two year, a three year? You know, how long can somebody be on the board? Eventually, you want to be able to get to a place where as a founder, it doesn't need you. Right. You want to be able to create something that has the ability to like exist and that enough people are passionate about the mission to keep it going beyond you. We see so many nonprofits that end based on the fact that the founder passes away. Mm -hmm. And then the moment that the people who initially put it together are gone, there's no longer the excitement or the synergy or the wherewithal to commit to like keeping it up. But the entire purpose of creating a cause is that you can generate enough spark from people in your community that are just as excited, even more so, about what you've created, that they now want to go forward and continue the work beyond you. Like, that's legacy. Right, right. That's why in a true legacy plan, a portion of what your investors and what uh, all of us should consider is the philanthropic part mm -hmm. of our legacy. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is. So is that what the... The value is, in your opinion, of a nonprofit. You talked about nobody owns it. Mm -hmm. The founders, or better yet, the board kind of controls it. There's money to be made, et cetera, but there's no stock, there's no ownership. So is a 
foundation or I'm sorry, a nonprofit valuable or is the value in the mission? Great question. (laughs) (laughs) That's very interesting. Um, And it's so funny because I'm actually in a scenario now where I'm on a board where we're actually being acquired by another nonprofit. And uh, people don't realize how common that is in the nonprofit realm in terms of being acquired. And, you know, the idea that these larger nonprofits acquiring the smaller ones are actually good because it allows it to continue to exist and do its work mm-hmm. or it allows it to expand in portions and communities where there weren't reach before. Is there value in the nonprofit itself? Yes. Just like Brandon said, it is a business. So whatever it has that's valuable can be absorbed and, and is part of that value. But the mission itself that's like that's the intellectual property that's like the heart that's the drive of the organization that becomes innumerable in its value if it's accomplishing its goal and so that's what you want to be able to do i love it yeah i love it well we're looking at uh halter is looking at its nonprofit, and our nonprofit will be based around homelessness Mm -hmm. uh and providing for our hbcu division so for those who are unaware our hbcu division is going to build ground up brand new student housing units for historical black colleges. So the nonprofit obviously can tap into computers for the students, Mm -hmm. beds, transportation from the building to the university, services, et cetera. So we at Halter are in the infant stages of building this nonprofit with the help of Executive On The Go. Absolutely. Uh, And we hope to have a lot more information for the audience soon. And we definitely will need your guidance on how to navigate our nonprofit because I'm we Absol- don't know. Absolutely. We are learning while we're on the couch. We, we, right. That's why we're asking these questions. We are not the expert in this audience. We're self-serving right now. <laughs> and sometimes you just and sometimes that's just where you start. You just start in a place where you're like, you know what? We want to do good. Yep. We want to make a difference. And that's all, you know, that's that's enough to start. Tell us more about executive on the go. I know we talked about it on our first episode. I want to bring it back on second episode because you guys need more business. So tell the audience that's watching more about Executive On The Go. Angel, I'm going to let you take that. But I, <laughs> I appreciate that, Dennis. I mean, that, that means a lot to me. They yeah. need to add to those yeah. 20,000 clients. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I, we appreciate that. No, absolutely. I mean, it's the, it, you know, what we do is we just really want to, we want to empower the small, you know, the small business owner, the entrepreneur, the visionary, the forward thinker, the philanthropist, the person inside of you that always said, you know what, I want to start something. I want to contribute something to the world. I want to make a difference. I have an idea. I have something that I've designed. I have something that it's important. There's somebody that is going to find value for what I can offer in the marketplace. And when that happens, I want to be ready to receive. And that's the work that we do. We help people become equipped to receive money at every stage of where they are in their life and their business. Uh, We deal with individuals, we deal with couples, we deal with groups, we deal with partners, um, just uh, anybody who is ready to get started and is saying, you know what, I'm not sure where to start. I'm not sure how to start. I've heard about this. I've seen about that. I want to have a real conversation about what it looks like to uh, to execute at an excellent level to be able to proudly walk into any bank, um, any agency, engage in any relationship, and make sure that I have what I need to do this transaction. Hmm, that's awesome. And are you only California based? 
So you can handle clients across the nationwide, nation, nationwide, yes. with the power of the internet, nationwide. <laughs> you, you guys are the epitome of helping others win. So you know, we definitely appreciate that. Um, and in that spirit, um, my understanding is there's some new things that have changed for LLCs in particular. Twenty-five percent ownership, blah blah blah. <laughs> Can you help explain it? I don't even know what it's called. But. Yes. CTA. CTA. Yes, there we go. Yes. It's called the Corporate uh, Transparency Act. It's something that just started brand new January 1st, 2024. It was on the books. Uh, it was, was uh, put into being enacted in 2021. So they've been planning it for a few years. And so basically they're saying that every type of entity, corporations, LLCs, all have to be transparent at the federal level. And so FinCEN, uh, which is um, basically uh, the governing organization through the treasury, is making it so that if you have, if you're the owner of any type of formal structure, you have to register with them. And you have to register your full name, your date of birth, your social, they need an ID. Your home address. Everything. Sheesh. So they want to be oh, able yeah. to have everything. And they are directly connected to all of the banking institutions. So all of the banks will have that information, all of the state agencies. So when you think about corporations and LLCs, they are organized at the state level. Each secretary of state has its own governance of how it allows or structures these entities, and that's who governs them. So what happens is at the federal level, what you get is your EIN number, mm -hmm. and that's basically it. Well, they are trading information at a high level because they said that they're combating money laundering, right. criminal activity, um, any like um, you know um, international trafficking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, trafficking that makes like. Sense. Okay. All of those things. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to centralize a database that has all of this uh, information in one place. So we've actually we've seen some lawsuits already being filed. People are up in arms because if it, it's very encroaching. You know, it feels like my privacy is being impacted. I'm, I started this company for liability separation, and now mm -hmm. the government wants to get into it. And so it's a very much kind of this big brother. You know, is watching. It eliminates the anonymity that most of us seek. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I will say that for the most part, that all all of that information will be internal with the federal government. It won't be public record. So no one is still, I mean, obviously, if you use your home address for your business address, that's going to be public record. But this, it's not going to be a database where people can like just log in and see 25% owner of this LLC or 25% owner of this corporation. They won't be able to find that information. That'll just be internal with the, with the agencies working together and that transparency between them. Got it. So um, just want to put that yeah. out there for... For anybody that's watching and like, oh, saying, oh my goodness, what's what's going on? But yeah, it's just it's just internal for them. But um, like I said, it's it's trying to cut down on all the bad bad stuff out all there. All the bad participation. All the yeah. bad participation. Yeah. You know, and I think you also invested into something, and you know, you lost your investment. You can't yeah. find this LLC. LLC closes doors. Mm -hmm. It's at a mailbox. I mean, just even with the whole private mailbox. I mean, private mailboxes are no longer used as physical addresses anymore right. even though it's a physical address and so i tell clients all the time if you signed a contract the postal contract 1583 so 1583 u.s postal service um mail through agent if you sign that that means that address that you used is a private mailbox mm -hmm. and so which is fine you can use it for mailing you can use it for other things but you cannot use it for a physical address 
like back in the day, that was that was the, oh, that was yeah. the thing. Yeah. That was the thing. You know, right. you, it went from post office boxes to <laughs> private mailboxes. Yeah. But now it's like they want, you know, they want you to have a physical address, whether it be an office space, commercial space. Or your home. Doorbell. Do you know? Exactly. exactly. They want to be exactly. able to come. Somebody there. Somebody there. Open, open, we, open. We got to get to a person. They got to get to a person. I think also the other thing, um, this is, you know, it's putting a lot of fear into small businesses. You got to think about it. There's almost 40 million, right, small businesses that are impacted by this, uh, by this law. And what we're looking at is if you don't comply um, they are charging a fine of five hundred dollars a day, up to ten thousand dollars, and up to two years of jail time. Sheesh. And so <laughs> you think to yourself, <laughs> not, not the kid, <laughs> not the kid, exactly. I've spoken so, to all of our investors, and my running joke is, I'm five ten, about one hundred eighty pounds. <laughs> I cannot, cannot do jail do time. Jail time. <laughs> I drop the soap. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> And on that so note, that time said, flies. You can, you, can, you can visit us and we can help you get your filing in order. Absolutely. That's a great segue. Uh, unfortunately, um, time runs fast when you're having fun and you, know, you guys have that wealth of knowledge. But in that lane, we have to ask you as we ask all of our participants, how would you help others win and give a line item, a, a quick bar on how to start a nonprofit, what stages they should go through, what should they do to start that journey? I can give that to you. So we definitely want to see others win. So Absolutely. I love, I love the the business model, the tagline. This podcast has been amazing. And if you are ready to start a nonprofit, you want to make sure, number one, that you've got a great mission statement. You want your mission statement to be encompassing. You want it to be reflective of not only what you do now, but possibly what you could do in the future. Don't let it limit you uh, down to something very specific. So have a, a very powerful, strong mission statement that could be encompassing. Uh, make sure that you pick your board wisely. It's very important that you uh, have the right people around you. I tell people all the time, to get started in a nonprofit, you just need a minimum of three. So you don't need to have all seven or 10 people out the gate. Just get two other people, preferably only one other that's related to you because they do ask that question, who's related. Um, so uh, you just want to make sure you've got two other people outside of yourselves to get started. Once you do that, uh, begin to think about the exemption process. How are you going to do this work? The IRS gives exemptions to people who actually have thought about how you're going to execute the nonprofit. What are you going to do in the work? Who are you going to serve? How are you going to serve them? And, and that you've thought that through. Once you've got that core basic uh, component in peace in place, you're ready to go. You're ready to get started. And with that said, I would say um, also just kind of think about the future, you know, your your children, think about your legacy, think about all the people that you want to impact and how they're going to interact and, and how they're going to engage with the things that you're creating. So don't think that your idea is so small. Uh, we've had people come in who give clothes every year and didn't realize that can be a nonprofit. Somebody can, uh, they can actually benefit from or They were giving things away and weren't writing it off. 
They were just giving it away because it was in their heart to do. They were going to do it anyway, but not realizing that they actually could create something in a structure that allows them the leverage to benefit from what they're giving away. So uh, don't just leave money on the table. Make sure you're maximizing how you can uh, allocate and create uh, your own deductions. Well, if you leave money on the table, reach out to the Halter Group. At Halter Group. (laughs) On Instagram, on Facebook, etc. That's right. But um, how does our audience find Brandon and Angel? How do they find you? Our handles is uh, Executive On The Go, which is a website address is www.executontheGo.com. And Instagram is? Well, my Instagram is Jellybox for Angel. So G-E-L-E Box. And you can reach out to Halterra Group. We obviously will connect you with our friends and families, Brandon and Angel. We thank you both for coming back for thank a you, second brother. episode. Thank you. First thank one was you. fire. This is going to be beyond fire. Yes, <laughs> you yes, guys are phenomenal. We love you guys. We appreciate you. You'll be and back for our 100 plus uh, investors, please reach out to Executive on the Go. All your LLC, corporations, nonprofits, trust, trust oversight, questions, please reach out to a phenomenal husband and wife team. That's a pillar within the community. Like, share, follow. Thank you. Thank you.